0: Vitas uh welcome to Radio Wolf. I'm very glad to be able to speak to you.
1: Thank you, Thomas.
0: Vitas, we, we met a couple of years ago at a conference in Kiev, and I had no idea that a couple of years later we would talk about uh, a war that is happening in the Ukraine. Uh, would you like to say a little bit about your background and your relationship to uh, the, the, the Ukraine and uh, just that people know where you come from. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, of course. Um, uh, I'd like to start from the from one quick observation because I, I'm afraid I can f- forget it. Uh, when we met in 2019 in Kiev, uh, the war was actually already going for five years, mm-hmm. and 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 people in many places tend to forget that. But the war that that was a local war, but still a war. Now, now we have a different kind of, a different scale and different phase of war. Yes. Yeah, so about myself, I'm um, professionally I'm an Integral Master Coach and Leadership Development Facilitator. Uh, at least for the last uh, five years. Uh, previously, uh, I, I worked in the financial sector for 20 years, and originally I'm Lithuanian. Vilnius, but uh, for the last seven years uh, we've been living in Kiev, Ukraine, together with my family. Uh, my wife is Ukrainian, so she she's she's Kiev native, and 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 um, and I'm directly connected to Ukraine for the last eleven years, so quite I'm quite deep into into the processes there that, that are happening there. Yeah, and together with my wife, we have. Uh, six children for both of us and, that, uh-huh. and and three of them are Ukrainians like actually two of them are Ukrainians but one is half Ukrainian half Lithuanian so our right. whole family families is very much yeah connected
0: so as we are talking right now today uh, the, the offensive in east of Ukraine is starting so the second phase of the war at least of uh, this part of the war uh from your, from your perspective, uh, where are we after, as you're saying, this is not just a war that started uh, right now. It's a war that has built up. Uh, it has at least started with the uh, invasion of the Green of Crimea. Uh, it, uh, it, in the Donbass region, there is a local war uh, since uh, some time. There's the background of... Uh, the whole dispute about NATO and uh, Russian interests. Uh, and now we have this explosion uh, from your perspective, also as someone who lived in here for so many times, who has a Ukrainian family, but who also has an integral thinking about this. Uh, wh- what 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 are we experiencing here? What What is this war about?
1: So, uh... You ask the question for a couple of hours at least, if we if we speak oh, sure. uh, on a superficial level, uh, there are so many so many layers to this um, to this situation, and and we can approach it from very very different perspectives. Um, speaking about how it is going, of course, since twenty um, fourth of February when the war started, when this this mm-hmm. large phase of the war started, there were very many. Surprises and um, and things that no one expected uh, that they will they will evolve, evolve this way and of course the biggest surprise so far is the way the Ukrainians are fighting actually everyone is pretty much everyone even the experts the military experts and the uh, the um, uh, intelligence experts and uh, in the West are. Absolutely shocked in a positive way of, of, of the the decisiveness and, and and the quality of military action by the Ukrainian army, and this this uh, makes us um, uh, hopeful, if not optimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, of course, in the beginning, uh, many many uh decision makers and opinion leaders expected that ukraine will fall in a few days and there was an actual uh actual occurrence in germany uh, on the 24th of february when the war started in the afternoon of that very day a ukrainian ambassador to germany uh, came to one of the ministers I don't in the federal government I don't remember exactly who it was maybe it was a minister of finance or someone else I don't remember but the fact was that the ambassador got message that sorry we are not we are not going to do much because your country will fail in like x amount of hours like I don't remember which which oh, really? exactly and that's that's the fact that's uh, that's oh. the public fact and, That's not uh, broadcasted,
0: broadcasted here, as yeah, far as I know.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's and and I know that the Ukrainian ambassador is not the most popular person in Germany because he is a troublemaker and he's a rookie in a sense. he's not following the standard, traditional, you know, conservative rules of diplomatic speech. He's he is actually bringing it straightforward. Mm-hmm. So uh, and 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 the Ukrainians are doing uh, doing much better than anyone could expect. So the fact that uh, the Russian army moved its forces from Kiev and Chernigiv region from the north part of Ukraine is a sign of a, a quite clear strategic failure. So the strategic failure is already on the Russian side. Whatever they do, uh, and however the war will end, uh, they the, Russia has already failed big time, and that's already the fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, they 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 uh, pro- <laughs> they uh, promised and threatened to take over the control of the bigger part of Ukraine and to take over Kiev in 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 in, in, in three days basically, uh, and uh, and they completely failed. Uh, uh, they made lots of mistakes, lots of uh, huge mistakes. And if you think about that, um, um, one cannot be surprised that the Western countries uh, were underestimating the situation or underestimating the factors that will be at play. But even the Russians who put lots of money, literally billions of dollars into, into the intelligence, into secret service operations, into preparing the soil, into infiltrating hundreds of, of of agents into into Ukrainian society, into preparing those diversion groups and so on and so forth. Even they completely miscalculated. And that's a very interesting fact. I think many books will be written about that. Uh, because they expected that Ukraine will greet the Russians with, uh, maybe not with flowers, but at least, at least with some positive attitude. And what they got in response was a complete and absolutely unanimous um, uh, uh, resistance, even and especially by the Russian-speaking part of the Ukrainian society. And what Putin did, uh, and I think for, we are joking that uh, still some monuments should be put after this war and after Putin dies, hopefully sooner than later, some monuments should be put to him because he, no one has managed to unite the Ukrainian society uh, this uh, this successfully. Because uh, what he did, uh, what the Russian did, the most of the distra- destruction and the most of the atrocities uh, fell on the russian speaking cities uh, and and I think that the Ukrainian society got vaccinated for many generations, not for many years but for many generations because my children, for example, they already have a direct experience and direct trauma of uh, of the Russian world, so to say, uh, I believe that their children and even probably their grandchildren will hear those uh, those those talks and legends so this uh, what what has happened over the last couple of months, I think this will be uh, this will have very 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 long repercussions in the in the collective memory in, in co- collective conscious and probably in the, in the collective unconscious. So yeah so I, I probably lost the thread and no i i th- go- th-
0: i th- I, th- I think you 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 on a very, very important thread here because there there's something that i as you said everyone I'm, i mean surprised is not a word for this uh it, uh it was just beyond any uh expectations it, it, uh, Nobody, kind of, at least nobody I knew, kind of uh, thought that this would be possible. But it's still something this heroic thrive in the Ukrainian population that are uh, books will be written about that wh- why this is and what this is, and uh, also the Russian atrocities, at least uh, as far as I know, were not anticipated in, in this way. I mean. One knew what Putin did in Syria, uh, but there was an expectation that one that he would not do this to a brother country uh, in 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 Europe in the same in the same brutal way. So, so there, there there is an an uh, a spiral of hero uh, heroism on one hand, and an atrocities on the other hand. I did not uh, uh, think about the fact that you just mentioned that it's atrocities mainly happens uh, in the parts of the country that has uh, a russian majority so that it brings the ukrainian society that, uh, that is a society that is this is mixed ukrainian russian it's a complicated history and uh the the eastern parts of ukraine are or to big part uh, russian uh in in their identity and the whole historic identity of ukrainians and russians is complicated things in in itself but it brings something like a national unity. Uh, there's also something about Zelensky as a president,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, who is a very uh, uh, surprising hero, uh, to put it also in the developmental sense, because there's this Putin icon, is Putin or, or, uh, horse riding in, in, in the tiger, in the Russian tiger, this kind of, uh, uh, archaic male thing and then there's Zelensky uh, being this comedian uh, in, in that sense having a very postmodern side to himself and not losing this kind of thing but bringing in this a form of, her- of heroic behavior that is unseen that is unheard of uh, it, it's still stunning every time you see that what is this about and what does this say about the ukrainian society as you know it
1: oh yeah so let me start from uh, from making a couple of corrections um first of all the, the brotherly nation uh, narrative it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a complete bullshit excuse my french <laughs> um the Ukra- ukrainian and russian nations have never been the same nation as putin likes to say or brotherly nations they were always connected. They were always next to each other. But the dynamics have been has been difficult for uh, for several hundred or hundreds of years. So they have, they, there was always some tension. And these are two different nations, and that's very important to realize. I think that's part of the misunderstanding and even miscalculation. Both on the on the on the Putin side and on the Western
0: side.
1: Uh-huh. So these are two uh, separate, different nations, uh, and uh, and and this brotherly nation narrative is is a product of Russian propaganda purely, uh, and 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 they did they, they didn't don't see the contradiction because what you do with your brotherly nation you just kill and and I don't know and and rape and and literally started genocide that's not the way you really deal with brotherly nations so they use this narrative only when when it is useful so just just as a, as a warning uh ukrainians usually get insulted when they are called brotherly nation mm-hmm. with respect to the russians then you said uh yeah another another important uh important part is uh the, the russians uh the, those Russian-speaking Ukrainians who are usually mainly living uh, on the left bank of of, of Dnieper River, uh, they, they are not Russians. They are Russian-speaking Ukrainians. And that's a huge difference. That's a huge... That makes whole difference. Because they identify themselves with Ukraine as a country, as a system of values, which is completely different uh, from Russian. And uh, we see very many examples of of, uh, those Russian-speaking Ukrainians fighting for Ukraine. Uh, They've been fighting in the Donbas region when we were protecting the the border, the the temporary border uh, for the last eight years. And the majority of them were exactly those Russian-speaking Ukrainians. So the language has never been a problem, and that's another narrative which Putin exploits and his propaganda exploits that there were some some um, uh, I, I, I lost the word <laughs> uh, discrimination of those mm-hmm. Russian-speaking speakers. Never has been. My wife is a Russian-speaking Ukrainian. She grew up in a family who was speaking Russian uh, at home, uh, and she's a she's a, she. She, of course, is a Ukrainian, very patriotic, uh, and uh, and that's the way it was. Part of part of the people were just speaking Russian at home, thinking in Russian, but they were identifying themselves with the with the Ukrainian idea, and Ukraine as. Um, pretty much in some sense similar to the US which is more more an an idea than a country or a system of ideas you know uh, and the the main I, I would like to now elaborate a little bit about the differences what what are the cultural and and even uh, in terms of mentality what are the differences between these two nations so the main difference of course is the approach to freedom and self-organization. So that's a that makes a whole whole difference. Traditionally in Russia the society was always organized in vertical hierarchies and in very patriarchal and paternalistic mm-hmm. kind of uh, systems. There was always a tsar with absolute power with its it's heavy and, and difficult bureaucratic uh, machine uh, that what that's where the corruption is coming from and the, the ordinary people so to say they were always under some pressure so the, the people who were more kind of freedom oriented or those uh, you know rebellious souls they were always either having some some problems uh being uh, repressed or i don't know being imprisoned or something or they they would um, they would uh, emigrate historically and part of those people were actually emigrating to ukraine because a a significant part of the ukrainian society is made of those people who were coming from uh, russia from the main russia in in different historic periods and um in Ukraine, there there are very deep traditions of self-organization, coming from starting from the Kozak um, uh, organizational structures. They were always making those so-called circles in in small villages, and they would they would always make collective decisions. And Ukrainians they don't uh, they don't hold their bosses. For long, even if you see the history, the, those uh, headmen—I don't don't know exactly the um, the English word. These are the the local kind of the the local um, uh, dukes, so to say. I'll, I'll, uh, uh, I'll check very quickly. Uh, there are very few, very few of them would uh, would hold for uh, for more than two three years. Uh, because Ukrainians are always um, very critical about their uh, their bosses, including now the presidents. And whenever someone on the top wants to repress the the society, and we saw saw good examples recently, starting from the Maidan in two thousand fourteen, and and another Maidan was in two thousand four. The, the society gathers very quickly and 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 what do get gets rid of 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 mm-hmm. of the repression of the di- dictator. What that we see with Yanukovych, and uh, the Ukrainians would never like literally never accept the structure of the society and the structure of of, of dictatorship. As, uh, as in Russia. Uh, that's why they're fighting so hard. That's why they're fighting with such a motivation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, why, that's what this courage and 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 desperacy and and the, the, the and at the same the optimism is coming for because they know that they're fighting for the core value which is which is freedom. So Ukrainian society by its by its essence is is a society of free people. Of course, that has a, a, another a, 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 a kind of a different side. With freedom, there should come enough responsibility. And in many ways, the Ukrainian society is not that mature in terms of living in uh, in those you know Western structures. But but the process is going very very fast. And if we compare Ukraine today and and Ukrainian ten years ago, these are two different societies in terms of maturity, in terms of, of, um, of carrying its own burden and, 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 and responsibility. So these are two different, two, two significant differences. One, society is accepting that vertical, uh, vertical uh, patriarchal uh, kind mm-hmm. of management structure. And not only that, but there are many Russians on a cultural level, they are denying the value of freedom. They openly say that, okay, that's where all those problems come from, your freedom. Like all these revolutions, we don't, don't want revolution. So they, they find they find a lot of good explanations and just, justifications for why they, they don't want freedom. Mm-hmm. And the Ukrainians say, no, we will never live under any dictatorship. And these are completely different societies.
0: Interesting. Um, I, I mean and, yes sir, go. yeah in. sorry
1: I, and you you also mentioned the phenomenon of uh, zelensky and that's and uh, that's i think is a very interesting um, uh very interesting uh, uh, yeah phenomenon that is happening and and, and people are fascinated <laughs> um from my point of view what we see in his embodiment and of course Zelensky is not just one person. Zelensky is an institution and he's he's part of the system. Uh, But what he's showing up is the very connected and authentic and uh, courageous and decisive leadership with vulnerability. That's very important. He's very, very tough, very decisive. But at the same time, he is not afraid to be vulnerable. And that's, uh, that's something uh, we are not used to recently, at least over the last 20, 30 years. I don't remember any such uh, impressive leaders, uh, at least in the European political domain um, uh, of the last, uh, the last 30 years. If we connect to this Fukuyama's idea of the early 90s that the history is over uh, and there is no more Demand for these very impressive, tough, decisive historical figures as Winston Churchill, as uh, I don't know, maybe even uh, um, I don't know Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher—not not to not to stick to their political views, mm-hmm. but at least the way they were showing up and the the the, the scale of their. Uh, kind of political ambitions and so on. So we we are not used to this kind of leadership. And I think what is happening that Zelensky is reminding people that look, this is still this is still possible. This is still allowed. Uh, this this still exists in the nature. <laughs> so uh, my my personal feeling, and I think the same the same goes for many people in Western uh, Hemisphere, that people are looking at it, wow, is it still allowed? Can we expect something similar from our leaders? Mm -hmm. So I think that this this is changing the the whole kind of political spectrum and it it, it is bringing a new flavor of leadership that people consciously or not, maybe not yet uh, conscious of, but uh, they still want it and his popularity is not um, not just occasional i think there's something something deeper into that
0: yeah, in fact i wanted to go there with the question uh so w- w- I mean, in one perspective on Zelensky is that he, in one way he was just good luck for the ukraine and he made this uh, this show or uh, this 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 tv ser- series about uh, the school teacher uh, becoming a uh, Yes, the president, the, and uh, that made him popular, and it's just basically good luck. But maybe there's more to that. Um, me, and that's my question: Do you think does Zelensky say something about the Ukrainian society? He, as being an elected president, of who he is, and if yes, what does it say?
1: Yeah, that's a very important point. Uh, you touched. Um... Zelensky is a mirror of Ukrainian society. He's just he's a very sensitive person. Uh, he's a as a professional actor in his past life, he's a very sensitive to the demand of the audience. So his audience at the moment is all Ukrainian society. And and in this sense, he is just executing the the uh, the program that is demanded demanded by the society, and he doesn't have much choice, uh, uh, actually. Uh, I think, uh, for, for, for better, probably, not for worse, he doesn't have much choice, because he knows that if he, he plays the role which is not supported by the society, he will be removed and swipe, swept away like that. Literally, there's no problem for the Ukrainian society to, to organize another revolution, even if, even in the times of war. And he knows that very, very well, because, because he's, he's, he knows what is, what is demanded by the society. So, for example, if he would theoretically, let's assume, he would decide to, to go for some compromise with Russia, with Putin, that would not be supported by the society. That would be the end of Zelensky, instantly, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, and that's an, again an interesting uh, an interesting phenomenon. That's that's the one of the key factors which was miscalculated by the Russians because they are used to the to the idea that that the Tsar is always right. And Tsar can do whatever decisions he wants for the society, and the society has to swallow it. As simple as that. And even in our debates and, and 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 arguments with some Russians in the beginning of all this, and even before the war, because after the war started, it became very difficult for us to to really debate with Russians. But uh, before that, uh, this was one of the one of the arguments, they were telling something like, oh, why why do you think that your army will fight for Zelensky? And we say, guys, you misunderstand that. Our army will never fight for Zelensky. They will fight for Ukraine. They will fight for their their native land. They will fight for values, for the system of values, for for their style of life, so to say. But... Uh, and Zelensky will have to comply. Will have to support that. He doesn't have any other choice. And that's a, a very kind of very diff, diff, different way of organization.
0: I mean, you made here also the point that are uh, basically Zelensky cannot compromise uh, because uh, the, uh, the the Ukrainian as a nation never would tolerate that. Uh, uh, in in, in this situation right now are as this war is developing with all these atrocities and uh, I don't know if it's a deadlock right now or where this offensive will be going. It's, it's horrible. Uh, What do you and what do do people in the Ukraine see as a possible outcome or a possible solution? Uh, I I mean, what, what, one way is to think that the Ukrainians just basically can bring up the power to redefeat the Russians uh, in in Ukrainian soil, but it will be a terrible price at least. Uh, So uh, in this kind of uh, uh, terrible situations between uh, the right to defend your country, uh, uh, but also the the urge to minimize the suffering of the country, uh, uh, the, the choices are all pretty bad. Uh, where to go here? And where does the Ukrainian people go and why?
1: Uh, so the general thinking is that the, the, the idea to put it simple, short and simple, and by the way, I, I saw it, it posted on Facebook by Michael McFall, the, the very prominent American who was the ambassador of, of the US in Russia for many years. Uh, and he he put it a, a poster uh, a picture of a poster which says if russia stops fighting there will be no war if ukraine stops fighting there will be no more ukraine mm. and that's the fact that's the fact plain and simple that's that's not debatable that's not discussable that's that's just the fact because russia and putin's regime is denying the right of ukraine for a sovereign, to sovereign to exist as a sovereign nation and period that's the fact putin has said it explicitly in many many times and he has acted it out implicitly uh, including this uh, this warfare so starting from this uh, peace or no war situation because there is a difference between you know, peace and no war i think most of the pacifistic Kind of leaning people in the West, they are really expecting that no war status, not a peace status, because peace has to has have something something in the in the background, in the, the as a the, the fundamental reasons for peace. So peace is not exactly the uh, the only um, and the most kind of uh, the the most Expected result for the Ukrainian society, uh, because the, the the most important now is to protect the country, to protect its sovereignty, and, and kick kick the Russians out, at least from the uh, from the places it is it is possible, of course. And of course there will be some compromises. It's impossible to go without any compromise. But the the kind of the presence of the Russians or some compromises with the Constitution or with the the, the state um, and the the the, the state uh, governance system they are not under discussion in no way so ukrainians are decisive and 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 ready to fight till it's needed because peace is with Putin in place is just to you know to it, it would not be a peace but a pause probably before um, the russian army licks its wounds and 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 prepares for another offensive which would be the question of months or, or a few years so so that's that's important uh, the ukrainians are not are not ready to peace at any price now it's after this amount of suffering, this amount of pain, so many lost lives, so many destroyed cities by the Russians, so um, so much destroyed infrastructure, it's not under question now now we really need to kick them out of the country and, and and that's that's the only way at the moment because uh, they, they, you know the peace talks are ongoing since the first days of war. And actually, Russia was the first who, who that initiated the peace talks on the second day of war, when they understood that things are not going according to their plan. But still, they expect, uh, Russia still expects to gain at least some victory. It will be, in terms of the scale, it will be funny compared to their outspoken ambitions in the beginning. But st- Still, at least to take over Mariupol, of course, the the, the city of the Zovsi, and um, and they are doing everything. They are they they're they're dropping uh, so many soldiers, actually exhausted unprepared uh, cons- conscription based soldiers, and 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 they they will probably have the I don't know ten thousand more uh deaths but but putin has never been concerned about uh about number of soldiers he he drops into into the war so yeah so that's that's the situation the the ukrainians are ready and and willing to fight till they reach a point the point when they kick out the Russians from its territory and and start and, and reach the situation when Russia will not be able uh, to organize another offensive, uh, because otherwise we will not be safe. And thankfully, we have recently we have enough support of the Western countries. Uh, after they saw the the atrocities in Bucha, in other places, there is no more doubt about what what Putin's intentions are. No more naive, uh, romantic. Uh, you know, expectations, and now we have much support. So the Ukrainians are highly motivated, exhausted, but highly motivated because they're fighting for their own values and freedom, their families, their soul. Uh, there is oversubscription, the, 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 the enormous oversubscription for all military and these territorial defense uh, units. There are probably five or six persons, six men per one Gun, so there are many more men wanting to, willing to go to fight than there are, uh, there are weapons. So that's the situation, and it will it will probably take more time. And it's uh, we treat it as an as a as a necessary cost to to clean up the country.
0: I mean, in one perspective, that you. Here, often in in Western Europe, is uh, you have to give Putin some little victory in order to to find a compromise. Uh, and is this a perspective that, from an Ukrainian perspective, uh, uh, is just not tolerable, or is it uh, when, when, when you look at the the the, the pictures, the relationship between uh, the West and Russia and the Ukraine in in, in between? Are what you're describing is peace is not possible in the foreseeable future. Uh, what we will have is maybe a pause. Uh, m- m- maybe that uh, the the Russian will lick their wounds uh, for for a while. But that's basically what 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 we get, which basically means war will stay in the middle of Europe, and we will have to live with it. Uh and any perspective uh, that be, that would say we have to. To pacify Putin in some way uh, sounds from that a little frivolous. Is that basically how it looks from an Ukrainian perspective?
1: I I have a question. Do you imagine someone in the US or the UK or France or whatever a Western country in, for example, in 1944, saying, um, let's maybe give Hitler some some victory so that he he, 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 he gets pacified and, and maybe he will stop fighting. Then maybe let's, let's, let's leave him Poland or, or Czech or whatever. Let's, let, let's allow him to go hold it. I don't know, in 1943 or something. I think that the situation is pretty much the same. The, this is a maniac psychopath who is holding hostage of the whole, his own country and another country now. And he's, he's ready to go farther further I, I deeply believe that my native Lithuania is under, under threat. And Latvia and Estonia and even Poland, is not that's not theoretical anymore. So with, with that psychopath in power, with resources, promises nothing good. So the peace, it's not a good, it would not be a good price uh, to pay for peace. No way.
0: No, I completely understand uh, uh, using the example with Hitler uh, uh, 43, uh, of course there are two big differences one is that Hitler 43 did not have a nuclear arsenal behind and there was no China in the background and a, a huge world situation is unfolding where even Russia is just a part of a bigger confrontation going on is uh, a, a systems confrontation and it sounds cynical or uh, because it's basically taking away all, uh, all all what's really happening uh in the suffering of the Ukrainian people all, all of a sudden looks like something uh, that that's uh, not in the center of what's happening but there is a world confrontation going on that's not a world confrontation so much between uh the west and 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 russia but between west and china and russia being a part of this, an important part. So the situation in that sense is very different to uh, a situation 43 in Europe and Hitler losing the war. Um,
1: look, um, of course, this is different because Putin holds the nuclear arsenal, but that's not the, the universal uh, argument. On the one hand, there is, I, I really don't think there's a huge threat that Putin would start using his nuclear power. He's threatening. That's the that's his style, and everyone needs to understand that he's he's behaving like a hooligan in the in the street. He's he's always he's, he has been always threatening, and the U- European and the Western leaders were always, uh, you know, holding back. And um, uh, and um, on the other hand, mm, the question is if if that psychopath has a nuclear power, does that necessarily mean that he is allowed to take whatever territories he wants, to kill any number of thousands or millions of people he wants, to rape any number of women or even, even girls, to destroy any number of cities and to terrorize the whole world. So where is the, where is the limit? Where is the limit? Is anything justified by the fact that he holds the nuclear power? I think I think the Western leader has have to call his bluff, because he's just bluffing with the with the uh with the nuclear powers. He understands that any that that the moment he presses that red button, he's over. He is over as a as a political leader, and probably of course the, there is some chance that the whole <laughs> the whole life on Earth could be destroyed, but he would be over even if he uses the very small scale tactical uh, nuclear uh, nuclear bomb that, and that he knows very well. And in addition to that, mm, there is the the system of pressing that red button is not that easy. I think there are six or seven persons involved, and g- knowing the level of trust, or absence of trust, actually, in the political elite in Russia, how many generals are already imprisoned, including the chief of, of Fezbe, uh who was responsible for the Ukrainian, uh, Ukrainian part, and many other military generals are already in prisons. So there is such a distrust that Putin would never give an order which he is not sure would be executed and and that would be another scenario for his for his end as a political leader uh, of course he is afraid of of the um, um, of the coup uh, and rightly so <laughs> thankfully hopefully that mm-hmm. will that some someone will take care of that and speaking of China very shortly I think we are overestimating Putin's sympathy towards China or Maybe even China's sympathy towards Putin. We are deeply under, uh, uh, overestimating that. I think China is, 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 to put it very mildly, not happy with with what is happening in Europe. And 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 uh, China, is, despite of all the confrontation, the political confrontation and the Taiwan issue and others, uh, of course, is very dependent on the Western. Part of the world, its economy is is so integrated, and 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 China would uh, be the mostly dissatisfied having this uh, psychopath next door who is who is who is you know releasing these, these nuclear bombs. I think we are, mm, and the recent behavior by the Chinese leadership uh, is. Is proving that they are not supporting uh, Putin that much. Uh, even, even I would say they are they're they're giving some pushback. Uh, and hmm?
0: No, I understand. And there is also the other side uh, what society, what future are we creating in Europe, in the world, if we are deciding to live with these atrocities?
1: Exactly exactly so that's the question and from from all that the only way uh, to stop putin is on the battlefield in ukraine and in ukraine the ukrainians are doing this service for the whole western democratic liberal world mm. and uh, with the support of course we are not that uh, that wealthy in terms of the state capacity but now recently we've been receiving lots of financial support and military support and with every day, Ukrainians are doing better and better, and, and, and with their level of motivation on the battlefield, I'm I'm pretty optimistic. Actually, I think we will have some, some, uh, some developments. And you know, the two symbolic dates are approaching. One symbolic date is uh, Orthodox Easter, which is this Sunday, the the 24th of April. So, and and you know that Putin is very much using the russian orthodox church and this um this patriarch Kirill who is who is actually the incarnation of evil uh, he's he's using this or- traditional orthodox rhetoric in his propaganda so of course they want at least some marginal victory by by the easter and another even more significant day as you know is the ninth of may which is the victory day and Putin has been building all his mythic and, and, and narrative structure of the mighty and powerful Russia as a successor of this, uh, the, 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 the victor of the, of the World War II, and during the last 10-15 years that was so un- overexploited that it, it's, it's, it seems like madness. You know, all those <laughs> uh, uh, wealthy Russians in Moscow driving their BMWs and Mercedes and, and Porsche with the, with the signs na Berlin, which means to Berlin. And some of them with the signs možem which means we can repeat it. And th- th- this is actually a madness. a very dangerous madness. And, and they've been playing it for like 10, 15 years recently. This and of course for that victory day for the 9th of may putin is is just he he just needs to bring at least some victory. so he is very desperate and and it seems that he will be he will be disappointed and not to mention the recent you know sinking of the of the moskva flagship of, of the black sea i i think this is the i've heard that i i didn't check the facts but I've heard that the last time that Russia has lost its flagship of the fleet was the 1905 uh, Tsushima battle uh, near Japan. Oh, really? In the Far East. Yeah, and of course there were there were several large ships lost in the World War II, but this kind of this uh, this uh, uh, flagship or this this level of symbolism, you know? so so it's it's a huge event it's a highly intimidating and, and even humiliating event uh, so 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 of course Putin is desperate and 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 uh and he's getting crazy i think the the he's also working on another scenario uh to to show that there was a big systemic betrayal in the russian elite because he cannot come with a defeat he still needs to bring some victories so if he is not he's not able to bring a military victory, so he would at least bring a kind of victory of solving this coup d'etat, you know, the 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 the, the inner betrayal uh, by, I don't know, by arresting some 20 or 30 top-level generals and special forces and intelligence officers and so on, so showing to his society that, look, I know the reason why we failed in Ukraine. These were the the traitors so and i think that the many experts are saying that he's he's preparing that that line that scenario as well we'll see we'll see we can see lots of very very interesting developments in the in the upcoming days
0: so so also as a final question what do you think we realistically can hope for
1: uh, yeah. So my my feeling from all the all the sources of information I I, I I have is that we will have very very intensive battles in the in the upcoming two weeks. Mm. <clears throat> uh, maybe yeah, two three weeks will be hot. Uh, and there will be no significant developments in the peace talks line because Russia will be desperately trying to to get at least some marginal victory. Uh, so I think by the 5th, around 5th of May, and then if they don't gain anything, I think they will not retreat. Then the whole warfare will go into this positional positional fight. When Russians will hold some territories, the Ukrainians will be pushing and more from going from defense into offense, and, uh, and then that phase can take up to several months if Russia is not going for a really constructive position in the, in the peace talks. And the Ukrainians are willing to, um, to agree, but not at, uh, not to any price. Not to everything we've been hearing from Russia recently was not, uh, was not realistic.
0: Vitas, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you, Thomas. It was a pleasure talking to you.